And now, broadcasting from a two-person hot tub, high atop the Butterfield Park water tower, it's the E-Town Lowdown, created by Robbie and Rick. And now, your handsome hosts, PK and Rick. Welcome to another special edition of the E-Town Lowdown COVID-19 pandemic. Today is Tuesday, November 17th, 2020. And it's been about two and a half weeks since we talked to today's guest, Pamela Dunley, the president and CEO of Elmhurst Memorial Hospital. How are you, Pam? I'm very good. How are you? I'm doing well. Um, I know in the last couple of weeks uh, since we spoke with you uh, last, you've cheated on us and you've appeared on another podcast. And uh, <laughs> I actually took a, a listen to it today, Becker's Healthcare Podcast. And uh, I think that was great PR for the hospital and uh, very interesting. So if if the listeners would look that up, Becker's Healthcare Podcast, I think uh, they'll find that interesting. I hope you enjoyed that experience. I did, and you prepared me for it, so thank you. <laughs> Good. You're, you're going to be a, a podcast star soon all over the country. You're going to be on Conan O'Brien's podcast next thing we know. Um, so could you give us a little update since we last spoke right at the end of October as to, uh, you know, we all, we all know things have not been going well as it relates to COVID, but how about within the walls of the hospital? Yeah, so the hospital is a reflection of things that are going on in the state. And I think actually we're pretty lucky here, even though the numbers will say we're not very lucky. This Our state is really being very badly hit, hurt right now with uh, COVID. So from last time we spoke, which was about two weeks ago, um, we had 45 inpatients that were positive with COVID and with one on a vent and four waiting results. Today, we have 84 inpatients that are positive with COVID, three on event, and three people waiting results. We went from having 95 deaths to having 110 deaths. DuPage County went from 24,240 positive with COVID to 35,878 positive with COVID and went from 617 deaths to 704 deaths. And the state went from 401,622 positive with COVID to 586,569 positive with COVID and went from 9,963 deaths to 11,217 deaths. Uh, The good news, because we do like to think about good news, is uh, we went from discharging 655 patients to discharging 830 patients and the statewide recovery rate remains 97%. So we are still recovering at a 97% rate, which is good news. But it's kind of scary to think about um, all of these patients that are ill and are getting hospitalized. I do know down in the LaSalle County area, they were on the New York news for um, having the highest growth in COVID cases and, um, and that their hospitals are all full. And I was talking to a friend who has a sister in hospital in Joliet, and her sister's quite ill, and she's young, and um, they don't have access to convalescent plasma that her sister needs, and they don't have respiratory therapists that are needed to care for patients who are having breathing issues. And so, to me, that's really scary when we don't have enough equipment and supplies to take care of patients. 
we're really lucky that we live here and that we have great health care here and we are not experiencing those kind of things that the rest of our state is experiencing. Well, uh, as scary as the numbers are that I've heard in the media, these numbers just on DuPage County positive tests, holy cow, it's up like 45% since we talked a couple of weeks ago. That's that's pretty scary. Is is there anything new on the testing front as it relates to Edward Elmhurst Health's ability to test? So we're currently receiving testing reagents for all four of our testing platforms. However, there is now a global shortage of pipette tips, which is what we use to um, run the testing on the analyzers. And as of this week, we, we have enough pipette tips on hand to continue to do testing, but the supply is tentative. And so we're reaching out to see how many we can get from manufacturers so we can keep um, our supply. Currently, with the help of our reference laboratories, um, we are performing about 1,500 COVID PCR tests per day that go out to the reference laboratories. Also, we are in the process of replacing and updating our current main automated testing platform. I've been saying that for a while. It takes a while to get something new in. We're hoping that by the end of this calendar year, we'll have that new piece of equipment in because that new piece of equipment will allow us to double the amount of tests we do, going from about 470 tests per day to 900 tests per day. And we are now looking into bringing antigen testing in-house. We've uh, heard through IDPH that the Binax Now assay made by Abbott will be made available for hospitals like Elmhurst. And we're in contact with IDPH to see how many of these tests we can acquire. Does it appear that the um, the tests are getting more any more accurate? You probably saw the story last week about Elon Musk. He was tweeting out that he had been tested four times in a short period, all using the same test, and two came out positive and two negative. Is is that probably related to the type of test that he had? Well, it has to. Yeah, there are currently seven different antigen tests on the market, which have been granted emergency use use authorization by the FDA. So we're not sure which tests he used. And um, based on the validation studies performed on these tests by the manufacturers, some of the antigen tests have demonstrated really, really good sensitivity and specificity. Um, but it's important to remember that COVID antigen tests should be used on symptomatic patients soon after the onset of their symptoms. For example, Abbott's Binex Now COVID-19 antigen test that we're looking at, which is a test um, you know, that we can acquire through IDPH, is reported to have a 97.1% sensitivity and a specificity of 98.5%. This results in a negative predictive value of over 99% when the prevalence of COVID is 10% in the community. In other words, less than 1% of negative results would be false negatives. Also, this results in a positive predictive value of 88%, again, when the prevalence of COVID is 10% in the community, and that means that we would expect about 12% of positive results to be false positives. Remember, through these statistics, only apply if this test is used on symptomatic patients, so not asymptomatic patients, but symptomatic patients, and in the case of the Abbott Binex Now test, the test must be performed within seven days of symptom onset. Otherwise, a negative result should be treated as presumptive to being positive and be repeated on a molecular assay. And obviously, a lot of a lot of people getting tested are asymptomatic, right? So then those test results don't apply, as you said. Correct. 
That makes sense. Um, as it relates to treatment, you've talked a lot over the last several months about convalescent plasma and remdesivir. Uh, do those continue to be the most effective drugs and are there, or treatments, are there anything, uh, is there anything new that's significant that seems to be successful in treating this uh, disease? Well, we continue to use the um, remdesivir and the plasma on COVID positive patients and both of them continue to be effective. Um, and we continue to see success with recovery while using those. But we've also been using a lot steroids for treatment, and um, we also have added antibiotics um, as a secondary treatment for the infections. Um, we're anticipating that we're going to be receiving something new. It's called monoclonal antibody from the state. Monoclonal antibodies are made in a lab to mimic the body's natural antibodies. The antibodies act by recognizing specific pathogens, in this case, the SARS-CoV-2, which is the virus that causes COVID-19, and it harnesses the immune system to fight off this, um, the COVID-19. So there, there's going to be very specific criteria for what patients would be eligible for these antibodies, but we're hoping to get that and start using that as well. So over the last... Um several months and maybe maybe just weeks, there have been some reports that some of the folks that are testing positive for COVID have milder symptoms than early on. Does that still seem to be the case or is that is that changing or or are there no conclusions to be drawn? Well, we have seen folks with less severe illness, but we've seen less severe illness all along. And then we've seen patients who have less severe illness, and then in the seventh or eighth day of being ill, they develop shortness of breath and pneumonia. So it's still, you know, there's no prediction to who's going to be uh, more deeply affected and have more severe symptoms. And it's not all about having pre-existing conditions, and it's not all about age, but primarily it is. I mean, the majority that, that get sicker have either a pre-existing condition or are older but it's not always, and, and then there's, there are other symptoms that we're seeing. It's called uh, long-term COVID, and there's people having uh, longer-term effects from COVID. So it may, they may have had um, not as severe symptoms, but they're not recovering as quickly, and that's even in young people. So as it relates to folks that are maybe uh, still struggling with it that, that were infected a while ago, how, uh, how's your husband doing? So, um, you know, he was pretty lucky. He never had to get hospitalized. He never had a high fever. He had, you know, a little bit of shortness of breath, but nothing major. But he seems to be having some longer-term effects, such as not being able to sleep, being a little more emotional. Um, he does believe that he feels um, much closer to God through this and, and feels like he has been blessed. But it's, he's having a hard time with sleeping and eating and, um, and really recovering his energy level. So, you know, I, I know he's praying and he's hoping that he'll get better soon. But he, he also feels like he was blessed and, and got, was able to get closer to God. I know there's a lot right now I've been reading. That there is also triggering in patients who have anxiety, of increased anxiety. Maybe they had anxiety years ago and it's been under control and it's triggering more acute symptoms of, of mental illness that maybe they never had or they had in the past, more depression, anxiety, and post-traumatic stress. So I do think that if you've had COVID, you need to be aware that 
you know, even a foggy brain is still a symptom later when you think you've recovered from COVID. Now that we're eight or nine months into this pandemic and some folks that, that caught the disease um, suffered from it many, many months ago, does it still appear that there's a certain resistance to them re-catching the disease or, or have you, are you seeing patients that seem to have it again? So I've heard in the news that people have gotten it again, but very rarely. We here at Elmhurst and Edward have not seen a single case of reinfections. Well, that's uh, good news. I <laughs> knock on wood. Hopefully, that ends up being the uh, the case that it's that it is difficult to get reinfected. Um, we know that um, we're currently under uh, tier two mitigation restrictions as it relates to the governor's. A pandemic plan, and uh, in that, in those restrictions, it it noticed it notes that there will be a reduction of elective surgeries and procedures. Has that had an effect on uh, Elmhurst Hospital at this point? Uh, well, tier two has not impacted us in terms of reducing elective surgeries and procedures. And the governor has been really good with working with the IHA Illinois Hospital Association to allow us to continue to do surgeries as long as we're capable of doing that and treating everybody um, that comes to our system that requires help. We've been able to, we have been very, very full, but we've been able to have um, areas that are overflow areas to help treat patients and keep other things going. And we think it's really important not just to financially keep the hospital going because it does impact the hospital if we are not um, having elective surgeries and procedures, but it's also because we saw when we um, stopped having elective procedures that people got sicker um, and had a longer recovery from things that would have been uh, prevented if they had had their procedures earlier. So we don't want that to happen to the community, and we want to keep the procedures going. So at this point, we're not being impacted at Tier 2. But at any time the governor decides, he can shut us down. And we're hoping that if that time comes, that we can um, do things at other sites like our ambulatory surgery centers or our, um, our, our endo site. We have an off-campus site up at North York that if somebody still needs an endoscopic procedure, we'll be able to do it up there. But we don't know. We're just trying to keep everything going, and right now we've been successful at doing that. And obviously that would have a, a really adverse effect on revenue at the hospital, right, if you did have to stop or slow up your elective procedures? Correct. It will have an extremely adverse effect on revenue, and, and everything with COVID costs us so much more and it does not come in in terms of increased revenue into the organization. And so really those things are what's helping keep us going. Um, it was about, uh, soon it's going to be a month when the original restrictions um, came into effect, the Tier 1 restrictions, and uh, the biggest part of our community that was affected immediately were the restaurants because there was no indoor dining allowed at that point. Not everybody's following that, but a lot are. So my question is, um, do you see any improvement as a result of the indoor dining restriction? Because it seems like the numbers continue to grow and you think they would have been affected greatly by now. Well, we don't know what would have happened if we hadn't done those restrictions. So it, what we're seeing right now is a lot of people are getting it from small gatherings at home where they, 
you know, are having friends over, they're not keeping their distance, they're not wearing their masks, they're thinking that, well, they've been quarantined, I'm quarantined, and, you know, and then they're coming up positive. So, you know, I do think, I do think having the restrictions, although I worry about the um, restaurant industry and the bar industry and actually all industry right now, I do worry about um, the viability and I would hope that if we can get this under control in the next month or so, if we can get a vaccine, that it would be really great because, you know, I do think that we need to do whatever we can to get those businesses back up and running. And as it relates to a a vaccine in the last week and a half or so, two companies have announced that their vaccines are are uh, pretty close to being released and that they have a fairly high success rate. One is Pfizer, I think, has announced that their success rate in the trials is around 90%. Uh, Moderna is around 94.5% from what they've said. Are these numbers that are soothing to the medical community, the 90 and 94.5? Because I think the average person out there, if they thought that, excuse me, that, um, you know, the polio vaccine was only 90% effective, they would be pretty scared. So is are those good numbers, and should that make us feel good? Well, we're excited. We think those success rate numbers are very exciting. And, you know, we were hoping that at least they'd get to 60% or more. So being between 90 and 94% is gives us great hope. And as you're correct, that the measles and chickenpox vaccine we're only are only at 90% success rate, and we still have pretty much controlled measles and chickenpox with those vaccines. So this this should be able to help us. So the early estimates are that only a small percentage of the U.S. population may get that vaccine um, by the end of the year, and maybe even in early 2021. Um, if if you were um, the emperor. Who would you give the? Who would you administer those vaccines to first, and you know, in classes of folks? Well, I don't think that's a fair question to ask me, but we will be following the CDC guidelines and do the prioritizing that they suggest for for the United States. You know, I I do hope that the vaccines are available to keep healthcare workers being able to help treat people. I do hope the vaccines are available for the most vulnerable people, those with high risk, you know, um, disease states, um, and the most vulnerable amongst our society. But you know, we will go with whatever the CDC recommends. And uh, so you, you have no interest in being emperor, even if we uh, anoint you emperor? No, 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 no. Not going to go there, huh? <laughs> Not going to go there. <laughs> um, I noticed uh, that the CDC recently has kind of tweaked its mask guidance. And originally uh, they had said that masks were protecting others um, from uh, if you wore a mask, you were protecting others from a virus that you might have. But now they say it actually provides quite a bit of protection for the wearer, too. Um, do you think that that's going to sink in with people and make them wear their masks more often? Because it seems like people really are wearing their masks when out in public around other folks. But it, it seems like they don't want to wear them when they're with people they're familiar with. And maybe that's really the key. I would agree with you. I think I think the masks do help, um, and they help both ways, preventing from you giving it to others and from others giving it to you. And I do think if people would wear their mask when they're with others in small 
uh, enclosed areas, it would help decrease the spread of this disease. Do you um, do you think that uh, most people you talk to are going to uh, curtail their Thanksgiving celebrations and keep it to small groups? And uh, if not, do you have any suggestions for folks? Yes, I do think a lot of people are going to listen, at least for Thanksgiving, whether they can make it through the rest of the holidays listening I don't know, but I think for Thanksgiving, people are scared enough right now, particularly downstate Illinois. They are extremely overrun with patients and are very scared. You know, what happened is in March and April and May, this area had very, very high volumes of patients with COVID. So we um, learned how to treat it better. We got, we established what we needed for personal protective equipment. We did everything we needed to to set ourselves up for success with a resurgence. But downstate, they never had that surge before. So now they're experiencing it for the first time, and they were not prepared the way they needed to be. I think they thought it wouldn't happen down there. And so I, I think a lot of people are, are becoming aware that they need to do something different at Thanksgiving. So I'm hoping people will do smaller household gatherings um, or do things virtually. I was just talking to somebody, and their family is going to do something interesting. They're going to um, be in cars, have their, their dinners, and drive around as a caravan to look at Christmas lights for Thanksgiving, and that will be their socializing. Whether you do it virtually, you know, you can use your your Alexa show, whatever it is that helps you be able to see each other and celebrate together without being close. Um, I think people need to try that. And they can go to the CDC website, and there's a lot of uh, information about how to celebrate for the holidays and keep yourself safe. Sounds like adversity uh, breeds creativity, doesn't it? It does. And you know what? We're all learning new ways of dealing with life, and, and you know maybe we'll learn something, something positive will come out of this. So um, I've heard that, that hospitals like yours are having issues with staffing shortages in certain areas. Can you tell us about uh, uh, how Elmhurst Hospital is doing as it relates to staffing in different areas? So you're absolutely correct, and let me tell you why it's such a big deal. So, again, in March, April, and May, uh, there was surges in only specific areas. So the, the nurses and other healthcare workers from other states and other parts of this, this state could come in and help us to staff, although we didn't have a lot from other areas, many other organizations did. And so um, it was very helpful and we made it through that crisis. Now we're all in crisis at the exact same time, and so nobody can go travel and help each other. There's no excess people to help, and we're looking for anybody, anybody who wants to work in the hospital, we'll train you to do something. So, um, yes, there is shortages. We, you know, our nurses and all of our staff here have been working so hard for so long, you know, and you can rise up for a, a short period of time, but we're going on 10 months of sustained pressure. We had a little downtime in the summer where it wasn't quite as intense, but it is extremely intense, and the last few weeks have been just as bad, if not worse, than it was in March and April. The only difference is we are not as scared because we know what we're doing. So we as a hospital, even though we don't have good finances coming in because of COVID, we really believe that our staff needed 
to be supported through this time. And so we've done some extra pay incentives for staff to for the next um, eight weeks to recognize them and help them make it through this next period of time. And we'll reevaluate at the end of eight weeks because we know, you know, that they're working so hard that there's that they have families at home they're scared what's happening to them and yet they continue to come into work in march april and may the community really um mobilized and brought in food and helps and put up signs and help support the staff but everybody's tired so there's not that same energy level coming in and and the staff are getting really tired so we're doing everything we can to support them and, and they're doing a great job and they will continue to do a great job where we are able to make do but i've put out the word to the community that if anybody isn't working because they don't have a job in food service or wherever we are hiring some part some uh, temporary help to do things so that we could free up people to do other things that somebody who hasn't worked in healthcare can't do so whether it's cleaning whether it's sitting with a patient just so that they have somebody in with them we'll train them what to do um, whether it's delivering food trays to the floors there are jobs, temporary jobs that we will hire to help us through so that our staff can focus on the important things for taking care of patients. Well, I hope folks that are listening will uh, take that to heart and spread the word and let folks that are unemployed know that there are some jobs, albeit some of them may be temporary, but uh, it's uh, it's certainly not good that you've got those needs and you're not able to fill them easily, but uh, it is nice to know there are some jobs out there. So one one last question I want to ask you, and this is another one of my unfair questions. Um, it, it, I'm not going to make you emperor again, so I won't do that to you again. You. But let's say it's a month from now, and you don't know much more than you do now about the success rates of the vaccination trials, and uh, you're on the list as a hospital administrator to get that that shot in the middle of December. Will you um, Will you take the vaccine? Yes. I'm going to take the vaccine. I have decided that it's very important to demonstrate to everybody that this is a uh, important way for us to control this illness. Um, personally, because I was with my husband so closely during the time that he was ill, I think I may have some natural immunity, but I'm going to do it anyway just because I want to demonstrate that it's important. It does seem like um, when I uh, have discussions with folks that are non-medical people, and uh, that topic comes up. Some of them do say that they're not so sure they want to get that vaccination right away. I know my answer is I'll take it as soon as I can get it, but I certainly don't want to jump in line before somebody that really needs it, like a healthcare worker or somebody who's at risk. So that's uh, that was a great answer. Thank you for that. Can I interrupt? I have one more thing. Sure. There on Thursday evening from 7 to 8, we are hosting an uh, Elmhurst Community Town Hall. So for anybody um, in the community, it's at e, it's a WebEx. It's at eehealthevents.webex.com. It's from 7 to 8. If they're interested in tuning in and hearing, the mayor will be there. We'll have um, just information about COVID if they would like to join us. So that's this Thursday, the 19th of November, from 7 to 8 p.m., eehealthevents.webex.com, correct? Correct. Great. Thanks again for spending some time with us, and I look forward to talking again soon, Pam. You too, and take care and stay healthy. Thank you. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the 
Steve Waddington and the Retro Rocket All-Stars. And when we're not rocking in Southern California, we listen to the E-Town Now it's time for another edition of Clever Ken the Hardware Man, featuring Ken Evil of Evil's Haste Hardware at 1028 South York in Elmhurst. Gail Roberts from College View writes, Clever Ken, my basement floor drain smells terrible. I think my kids or pets are pooping down it, but they say they aren't, so I put up some hidden cameras, and no one's doing anything like that. What can I do to fix my stinky floor drains? All right, Gal, the simplest solution would be just to pour water down the drain. If you do that, you will probably clear it out. You won't have to deal with the smell anymore. If that doesn't work, you could have a problem of the house backing up, in which case you'd have to get that drain rotted out. I'm Clever Ken, the hardware man, helping you help yourself. The E-Town Lowdown brought to you by the wonderful folks at the Elmhurst Armpit Orchestra featuring the biggest bass drum in the world at nine feet in diameter yes you heard that right nine feet in diameter this has been a special presentation of the e-town lowdown